filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Only Here So We Don't Get Fined podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. They are Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We are all a bunch of sad sacks from blackandredunited.com, where we have the misfortune of writing about and talking about DC United, and that's what we're doing tonight. Um, they lost badly uh in extra time which is a weird combination of words in toronto on on saturday to be eliminated from the 2019 mls cup playoffs and uh the season's over as a result uh toronto will move on to face nycfc and i guess like six other teams are still playing in mls but dc united is not among them um just one show this week because, <laughs> yeah, we don't love you guys enough to do two <laughs> uh, with, with the mental state that we're in. So you get one. And uh, yeah, before we actually get to it, though, uh, Ben, what are you drinking? I'm drinking. Uh, it's Campari-esque. It's a lot of bitters. It's rum. Uh, the bitters inform my soul. Wait, how is that Campari-esque? Just the bitters part of it. Okay, because Campari is a very specific bitter. Right, but it it is a bitter drink. It is uh, just regular bitters. It is rum. It's a little bit of simple syrup. It just, the bitterness is a part of my sadness. I wish I had uh, lemon juice or lime juice, but I don't. So it's just bitters. I just am drinking bitters, basically, with a dash of rum and a dash of simple syrup. Okay, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I have a Spotten Oktoberfest, um, but mostly I went to I went to a liquor store that I know doesn't have a very good selection. I don't know why I stopped there. Um, <laughs> because you deserve it. We all deserve it. Uh, I, I yeah, I drove in there and I should have. This place also has like a bad parking lot. It's very badly designed. And when I was trying to get into the parking lot, there were multiple cars suffering from the bad design and just not able to move and go where they wanted to. It sh- it should have been the sign to me, like, just go somewhere else. Um, but fortunately, I went in there and I was like, I don't even know what I really want from this store. Um, but it's Oktoberfest time, uh, beer wise, and they had a few options. And I said, I will get Spotten. So that's what I got. And then I had to get myself out of the terrible parking lot. And it was irritating again. But the beer's okay. Yeah, the beer, it's not the beer's fault. This is I mean, not about the beer. It's, <laughs> it's, it's spot in Oktoberfest. It's, it's a, yeah. a very solid Oktoberfest. Uh, 
I like the bottle. I like the uh, Munich uh, uh, checkerboard diagonal checkerboard kind of flag pattern. Uh, that's part of uh, the Bavarian. I be- believe it's the flag of Bavaria. It um, is. Yeah. So the blue that, and white. that's pleasant. It's a pleasant aesthetic and it's a good beer. All right. I've got Sierra Nevada's hazy little thing IPA. It is a New England juicy hazy IPA and I will ride this trend until it dies because I really enjoy this style of beer and uh, I, I wasn't going to be sad about my drink tonight. I just, New England's are good. They're good IPAs. They also lost to soccer, which I'm less it's sad also about good. that. <laughs> um, anything else you guys want to talk about before we, we actually get to the, the soccer? Because I'm, I'm, I'm willing to listen. I spent to d- this afternoon with a sick toddler, and I can talk about that until the cows come home if you guys want. Uh, Say goodbye, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> I do have something to add. Um, as I tweeted out just a moment ago, um, while we've while we're doing this show, I've got the movie Hollow Man on uh, in the because background it's not punishment mute. enough to have to talk um, about this game. Because this was the the silliest thing I could put on in the background. Um, so yeah, uh, right now the the titular Hollow Man uh, is out and about. He's been covered in a goop uh, so that he's. He's invisible. They can't figure out how to uninvisible him uh, without killing him. So they poured some goop on him so that he, they could see him because he was creeping everyone out by being a naked man wandering around invisible, which pretty good reason to be creeped out by that guy. Um, but because it's Kevin Bacon and he's been made hollow, he's also slowly losing his mind and becoming terrible. Um, eventually, this ends with them having to kill him. Uh, Jason, are there Spoilers. bees involved? <laughs> Uh, I don't recall any bees. Um, I do recall um, he ends up just being a creep in the exact way that you can imagine a a creepy man who's been made invisible would act. Um, But no, he does not get he nor anyone else gets attacked by bees that I recall. Um, His character probably deserves it, but this is not a bee based movie. I don't really have a segue from that. Yeah, usually there. It's hard to pivot from Hollow Man uh, to anything. At one point, don't they like throw boiling water or or something else on him so that you can kind of see him just for the special effects of it? I don't know how I'm going to get a segue out of that either, but I don't. I don't really remember that. That I or like he's it. on fire or something. I can't remember. I think you're still talking very about long the cage. Time. They might set him on fire. There's a lot that goes on at the end of the movie. Do we have any reason to think they didn't try to cast or, or at least audition Nick Cage for the Kevin Bacon role in this movie? I mean, it would make sense. Yeah. Okay. Awkward silence complete. Yeah. Just like DC United season. There's the segue. I got there. Uh, 2019 is over for the black and red after, uh, after finally chasing the entire game against Toronto uh, and getting an equalizer deep into second half stoppage time, uh, then they imploded in the worst possible way, allowing the Reds to nab four goals in the f- first 15 minutes of extra time. Um, it, it was, I don't know, almost cartoonish that that period. It was, it was like a montage scene from a movie 
where a team comes back from a huge deficit only it was tied and like the like Nick DeLeon's goal like just the goals were just some of them were spectacular the first goal of the game you can blame on Bill Hamid I'm sure he blames himself but a lot of these other goals some of them were spectacular some of them were lax defending it was this weird combination of just the field slanting horribly and DC United having nothing to do with it. It was almost enough, almost enough that I, uh, I almost wish that TT uh, Rodriguez hadn't equalized the game because just the, the emotional roller coaster of it, it was, I, I was resigned when TT scored that goal. And in fact, I had moved over to the dining room table where uh, my, my five-year-old had been begging me to, carve a pumpkin with her and originally her mom was doing it but then her little brother was sick as i mentioned and uh demanded his mom and not me and so i was watching the game and then was frustrated enough that i i left and went over to uh or brought the computer actually over to the table to carve a pumpkin and while i'm carving it tt scores and uh my daughter and i just like kind of go crazy and that moment of celebrating with uh with my five-year-old is the reason it's almost enough to make me wish he hadn't done it, but because it was a very sweet moment that I'm going to cherish, but um, that extra time sucked, man. That was, yeah. Um, and, and the, the, the Lorea goal is really the one that mm-hmm. is going to haunt me more than the others. Uh, not just because it's the winner technically, um, but also the nature of it. Um, it's uh, Paul Ariola um making a bad pass uh just a pass that he he kind of runs himself into trouble and then makes the bad pass um and he'd been and, doing that all honestly <laughs> yeah he didn't have a good it, it was not a good night from him um but you know ran himself into trouble uh Marky Delgado walks him to the touchline he makes the bad pass to Bradley who then um spins away from Lucho who just wasn't prepared just to stands deal with. there. Um, yeah. But, and then from that point, um, uh, a big problem DC had the fact that they had to throw every attacking sub they could at the situation in regulation meant that they finished or they started extra time with a, a yet another uh, shuffle of players. Um, but they ended up with Lucas Rodriguez having to play left back because they had finished the game with Boateng playing left back, and they were like, okay, that's ridiculous. Um, what's the best solution we have out there for what's now become an even game of soccer? What are we going to do? And it's like, well, we don't have one, is the truth. We don't have a guy that's a left back out on the field anywhere, not, not even a little bit. Um, the, I guess the idea was that Rodriguez's ability to win one-on-one challenges, which the data looks pretty good on him, um, would be the best of a bunch of not ideal solutions, but um, it's not just him being beaten uh, on the run by Larea. It's also Wayne Rooney uh, not really taking up a good defensive stance. He's kind of flat footed um, and him and uh, um, Bradley finds DeLeon who does really well to find Larea who made a really good run. I mean, it's a good play from Toronto, but it's also, the lineup that was on the field getting taken advantage of. Um, and uh, from there, uh, it really, it got so much worse because, you know, this is a bad blow, but it shouldn't have 
like it, it's like DC just hit the pause button and just never resumed playing. Um, yeah. And it's we a dropped the controller con- and walked away at that point. Right. And it's such a stark contrast because if a team in this game should have had that happen to them, it should have been TFC giving up the 93rd minute goal that if one of these teams was going to be stunned into inaction, it should have been that one. And, and Toronto deserves a lot of credit for going into that little break uh, between full time and the start of extra time and not capitulating, not giving up, not getting frustrated and actually really playing really, really good soccer. You know, they came out and were much better in that extra time than they were in regulation, quite frankly. Um, so they deserve plenty of credit, but also you have to throw in that DC was a mess from, from that moment onward, they were a mess. Um, and it even extends into the second half extra time when they stopped giving up goals and they ended up with Ariola getting himself two yellow cards and getting sent off in a game that is clearly over. Um, don't get yourself sent off at that point. Just, you know, uh, accept that you've lost the game uh, and live with it. But instead, you know, now he's suspended for the first game of next year. So that's that's great. If he's even here. Well, I, I think the chances I think we've all been overstating that quite a bit. Um there's a chance he could leave just like there's a chance everyone could leave, but um I think he will be in street clothes for the opener for DC United. Um, which is the second straight year that a starter is going yeah, to it's becoming a tradition now. Uh, yeah. get yourself sent off in the playoffs so that you miss the uh the opener the next season. Um but yeah, I don't like it. No, there's not much to like. Um, there's also the added um, kick in the teeth that is the fact that in the ninth, the first 90 minutes, DC won the expected goals battle. They had the better chances. If you um, you have to accept that there's a game state influence here that yeah. um, kind of throws it, but they had the better chances in this game, um, the, in the 90 minutes anyway. Um, I mean, Wayne Rooney had two or three that he could have put away in – he had uh, two good ones that people are including that volley from the top of the box. In right. That chances. one. That was a difficult volley. Yeah. Um, getting that other on frame two, was the, the, the goal. Yeah. And if any, any speed on it is just bonus yeah. at that point. But, but the, the other two, two Ola Kamara had one that's almost forgive unforgivable that he, he didn't put away. Uh, I not, mean, not, I mean, I'm overstating, yeah. but. It, but, it was a good save, but he also had a lot of the goal to shoot at. I, I guess that the reason I'm not too frustrated by that one, it was, it was also a complete gift from Toronto. It was. Um, but then, you know, DC games the ones you got to put away. Yeah. And, and Ben's right. Um, so the combination of the fact that DC handed Toronto their goal, um, you know, those two things. Yeah. It's, it sucks. You know, they, they should have been able to find a way to win this game against what wasn't even Toronto's best team. This was not Josie Altador uh, in the lineup. This was not Omar Gonzalez. Um, this was a Toronto team that without Gonzalez was giving up almost two goals a game. Um, you gotta, you gotta win that game. Uh, yeah. Homer away. And it's, it's frustrating um, because a lot of, I mean, DC's best defensive player this year made a mistake that contributes to the result. DC's best attacking player missed all his good chances. Uh, DC's key goal scorer for next year at, at this moment missed his good chance. Um, there's a lot to look, look at this game and be like, God, this sucks. Um, there's just, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough time to even have to talk about it. I didn't even want to do this show. Um, Cause I just don't want to deal with, 
talking about DC United right now. I want a few days of just not even thinking about it, but um, you know, I guess that, you know, while the emotions are still fresh, we should get through it. Yeah. I can confirm that that was Jason's stance. We had to uh, talk him into going forward (laughs) again. I overstate, but he was very clear that he would rather not. Ben and I both agreed just for the record. As I think the the introduction to this show <laughs> made pretty clear. Um, I don't know how much more there is to to get into in this specific game. Like, there's not a lot of value to breaking it down. There's there's not a lot to be learned. Um, DC United led in a goal in the first half um, off of a Bill Hameen mistake. Pizuelo gets Russell Canals all t- twisted in knots and and puts in a a shot that bounces on the turf and Bill Hamid was set early, which is one of his superpowers as a goalkeeper is he gets his feet under him and set really, really early so that he can go wherever he needs to go. Um, And he just, it it almost looks like his legs just gave out under him. He got no jump off of the spot. He just kind of fell and fell a little early too. It was weird. And the ball bounces and he pushes it right into the path of um, I've already blocked out who it is. <laughs> who scored Delgado. The goal. Oh yeah. Uh, Delgado just puts in the rebound first time and uh, that was it. And DC United was chasing the game from there and not particularly effectively for a lot of the game, even though DC United had the better of the chances, it didn't feel that way watching it for me, which may have been my own frustration as much of any as anything, but they eventually did get the equalizer as we all know at this point, but it was, is a frustrating game to watch even in, in regulation. I think frustrating is not the word for, for extra time. It was, that was something else entirely, but uh, I was very frustrated. I was in a bad mood, which is why I was like, I need to stop putting more emphasis on not enjoying this game and more emphasis on doing a fun activity with my daughter, uh, which is why I went to carving the pumpkin. But it was just, I don't know, man, this game was, was rough even during regulation. And it was, I feel like it was the culmination of the problems that DC United has had in the attack for the past month or two. It's not that the team has played bad. They haven't, but they have not been able to score goals at all. Uh, it's, and it's been with Wayne Rooney and without Wayne Rooney and it hasn't mattered who's been on the field. This team just has not been able to score goals down the stretch. And it, it bore out in this game. They had uh, the expected goals advantage in this game, and they just were not able to put them in the back of the net. And all of that combined just makes for a frustrating night and a bad night where things need to change uh, going into next year. Yeah. I'm gonna. Go uh, I'm gonna mention that um, when the game got to full time, uh, DC or the the shot totals were fairly even. Um, but then Toronto managed to take twelve shots in the extra time period. Um, Basically, and, doubling, almost doubling the number yeah, of shots they had on the um, game. Whereas uh, I haven't even looked at DC, but DC thirteen. No, None, or I'm talking about just extra time. DC took no shots in the first half extra time because they spent the whole time giving up goals. Um, (laughs) 
and then two goals or two shots in the second half of extra time when the game was clearly decided. Um, so yeah, um, on one hand, there's a there's a certain element of this that is like, um, if you've ever seen the beginning of the movie Magnolia, it starts with multiple extremely unlikely happenings that are from from real life stories. Um, uh, and it is sort of like that. It's like the rain of frogs, uh, that you hear about every once in a while from a freak, uh, weather system. Um, something like that, like four goals at the start of extra time is not a thing that does, that doesn't happen, uh, to a team that hasn't had many people sent off. Um, or is, you know, if maybe, maybe if like DC was stuck with a field player playing in goal, then you would say, okay, sure. Um, but yeah, it's not a normal series of events. Um, even, even if you accept that they played badly and deserved it, uh, based on the extra time, they don't, you don't give up four goals in, in MLS doesn't happen. Especially uh, a team that came into the game writing an MLS record <laughs> minute or close to right. MLS record minutes shutout streak. But sure. Uh, I mean, but they gave up the one and especially after they gave up the second, it was it, the, the two after that are basically, uh, uh, worthless it, like they had lost yeah. the game at three to one yeah toronto was yeah. not pulling up they they were having fun at that point um and dc united were beaten and and do you guys, do you guys remember the of course you probably remember the 6-4 rsl dc game um yeah. where it seemed like in the especially in the second half of that game where like everything turned into a goal that er, either team did anything it just became a goal nick um, de Leon almost replicated his goal from now on, yeah, he, hit the, this, he hit the post on a, a left-footed sh- curling shot, which is how he scored in that game before he scored his actual Galazzo in this one. Um, yeah, this game was like that, um, yeah. except only one of the teams was doing that. Um, right. And it's that like morale swing um, where I think DC expected the game to be very even and kind of cagey again. And Toronto was absolutely furious to be behind and channeled all that, that outrage into the exact best thing they could have. Um, and DC was like, wait a minute, what's happening here? Um, what are you doing? Uh, and by that point it's three, one. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I guess one thing that's also frustrating me is that the way the game played out, going back to what Adam was saying about it being frustrating is that DC had the extra week to prepare for this game. And what we got was what you would have expected. It was high press for the first five to 10 minutes, caused some problems, but not necessarily anything concrete. And then it's like, okay, we didn't get our goal. Let's start to sag back into our block now and get lower and lower. Um, It's, it was plan a, um, and there wasn't, there was nothing in there to surprise Greg Vanny um, or to confuse him or to throw him off. It was just like, this is what we do. Uh, so we're going to do it again. Um, and, and I don't think TFC had a particularly innovative plan on their own, but I think that's because they were missing Altador and, and um, Omar Gonzalez. They were like, oh, you know, maybe we just need to um, get, get what we can right because that's what we've, we, you know, we've got things to deal with right now. Whereas DC didn't really have things to deal with. They were healthy. Um, you know, the players that were missing were like Jalen Robinson and O'Neill Fisher. Um, DC was not confused as to what to do without those guys. They've been without them for chunks of the year. Um, so yeah, uh, the fact that there was no 
different element to the the game um, is frustrating because you have time to prepare for it. It's a one-off throw the, give the other team something else that they're not used to seeing from you. And instead it was exactly, it was the approach was exactly what anyone would have said is the approach that has watched DC United a bunch of this year. Like, Oh yeah, they're probably pressed in the first few minutes. Um, and if they don't get their early lead through that high pressure, then they will start to sag back because that's how they do things. Well, whether they get the lead or not, they'll sag back. At yeah, that that's point. true. Um, um, the, and they'll, they'll keep pressing for the same amount of time, whether they get the lead or not, because that's, I, I don't fully understand that, whether it's just, that's how long they, Ben Olsen and his staff figured United can press or, or what. So, this is a little bit of a, a, a journey, so uh, go with me. But Buckle up. In 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 events in in when you're trying to break down procedures, when you're at the day to day, sometimes you're just trying to fix things that are immediate. You're trying to fix uh, the day to day problems at your work. You're trying to fix the uh, the the problem of your computer portal, or you're trying to fix the issues uh, of your, uh, uh, of your coworkers. You're, you're enmeshed in the moment and you never have time to look, to take a step back and look at the uh, bigger picture of what is going on, the, the systematic issues that's going on with your organization. And, I feel that way with my day job. I feel like we are not able to <laughs> look at the uh, big picture and really focus on the uh, uh, the bigger picture issues. And I feel like DC United has reached that point as well. They have that they keep focusing on like how can I tweak this thing? How can I move from uh, this is how DC United performed uh, down the stretch and. I need to tweak this so we can do better going forward, but we're not thinking about systematic change. And I feel like after uh, nine years now, eight, eight and a half, nine years now, it's time to look at the systematic change. And it doesn't mean that anybody's done a bad job. Uh, this has been a great nine years, but sometimes it's just, time to have a different perspective and time to look at a systematic change. And uh, sometimes that's just the, the, the uh, strategic viewpoint that you have to have. That's a really diplomatic way of, of putting what a lot of people are calling for right now, which is wholesale cleaning out the, the front office and much of the roster. Um, Can I, I, I don't know if I agree that it's been a great nine years, but there have been great moments sure. in those nine years. I, I would, I would point out um, a lot of the same voices that are always solving every DC United problem with demanding uh, that Olsen and Casper get fired are the same people who are furious that the team had so much turnover in other parts of the front office. Um, and that fire everybody is never actually that great of a solution. Um, but, you know, to Ben's point, if there was a time to make a big change, it would be when you're about to have, or you are Wayne Rooney moved according to Pablo Maurer left for England. Literally today we're recording on Monday. He flew back already. Um, you know, Lucho's going to walk. Um, you have multiple key player loans ending that need to be sorted out very soon. Um, 
that's a lot of the starting lineup. Like you're already kind of rebuilding anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if, if I had someone, um, uh, I'm not going to say who, but I had somebody ask me whether I thought that DC should make a coaching change and a GM change. And I said, they are asking me hours after the game ended. So like, look, I'm not in a good place to talk about anything like that, but I will <laughs> say that the circumstances, if you were going to do it, this is kind of when you would want to do it. If you had to, if you had to make a change, you would say, well, I'd like to make a change when there's a chance for the new person to come in and really mold uh, the organization in a new direction. This is kind of the time that would allow for that. I don't think anything's going to happen. Um, that's my own speculation. I, I think that seems to be the speculation from a yeah. lot of the press corps, the people who are, are plugged in, who are in the press box, who have, now, have sources we, like I will say all of us were surprised that same group of people were surprised when DC pulled out of the flow uh, sports agreement on the uh, yeah. almost the end of the season that came as a surprise. So um, ownership still definitely is capable of pulling surprises. Um, but I will point out that in years past, we've talked about how the talent wasn't really there and the team overachieved this year. You can't say that they overachieved. Uh, they underachieved this year. Um, and that's a serious problem because if you want, if you want people to pay the prices at Audi field, which sometimes I forget how much it is to go to a game at Audi field because I have a press credential, but then I hear about it and I'm reminded that the games that like, if I weren't, if I stopped doing the site tomorrow, if the podcast stopped existing and I was just going as a fan, I would not be able to afford it uh, often. Right. I would be going once or once every once in a while. Right, and their time. single game tickets are a much larger markup than they were at yeah. at RFK. Which, it, like the the season tickets, you can get you can get pretty reasonable, but not not as sure. cheap as they were at RFK. But the single game tickets are really where they are. Yeah, pushing it, and and if you're going to ask people to pay that kind of money, you have to give them results at the yeah. very least. I mean, I, I will say, I don't think you should ask them that much money anyway. I think those prices are exorbitant for a 34 O and O season. Um, there's too much money. Um, you know, especially since we're not yes. seeing sellouts, if you're seeing sellouts, you can say that's, this is what the market will bear, but I guess, they are, uh, they're, I, they're deliberately pricing it when, in a way. When that I hear, does not when I hear about what the market will bear, uh, I hear uh, calls for socialism uh, on, uh, out of my other ear. Um, but that's, that's this is exactly. not that podcast. Um, but I will say that the team has done a lot of things on their end of it that are asking fans for more of what the fan has to give. You have to then give something in return. Um, and just getting into the playoffs in this year's Eastern Conference is not a good return. The East sucked this year. Um, there the Revs got in. There are four good teams in the Eastern Conference, and three of them have flaws. They're good but flawed. Um, this wasn't any. This was not a big challenge. This was a good year to end up making a real run at something, and DC just wasn't up for it. And then to have it end this way is its own sense of frustration. But you know, you put it aside. If, if DC had gone out on their shield, so to speak, if they lost this game five four in a classic playoff game it would still feel feel pretty bad to be like, okay, we just barely got in the playoffs and then we lost in the first round. Great. And especially bad with how badly their offense played. Like their defense played great uh, down the stretch, but their offense was just non-existent. Like 
with Rooney, without Rooney when he was suspended. Uh, I mean, I know part of it was Ola Kamara being injured, but they just well, weren't was, able to find anything since August. Some of since, it was finishing. There were games when finishing was was a problem for this team. Right, but, but it's finishing, finishing was a problem since August, but, July. But the it, chance it creation a was thing. a huge problem down the stretch. It like I think that's as much of anything why people were tuning out, despite the fact that United was getting results and were defensively as solid as any team in the league at any point this year at the end of the season. And it, it's because they weren't creating chances. They yeah. they would occasionally like the Seattle game was good. That was the last good game for DC United. Um, the two nothing win where they they actually comprehensively beat Seattle. Granted, it was a shorthanded Seattle. They were. I think what they were missing Lodero at least in that game. Um, But still, but still they United came out and did the job, which they didn't do against Toronto and the attack didn't do against Cincinnati. Like people were saying that DC United was too defensive against Cincinnati, which is nonsense. DC United held the ball, had a million shots. They just weren't good at the attack. It's not that they were defensive. It's that they were bad at the attack. And there, there's a difference between those two things. And that was the story coming down. And nobody wants to watch an inept attack. And if you have Wayne Rooney on your team, you have Lucho Acosta on your team, you have Paul Areola, TT Rodriguez, you should not have an inept attack. And United did. And whatever conclusions you want to draw from that, feel free to do so. But And we will. And they, I think this hits on something, is, is that all year they had trouble balancing... Mm-hmm. The two things um, when Last year they you, did too, but they were so good in the attack. It didn't matter. Right. Um, when United was able to get on any sort of runs of form, generally the defending was very good, but from basically from what the start of April uh, onward, they were never able to have both a good goal scoring performance, except for at Cincinnati, I guess. Um, but, you know, that's not exactly clearing a high level bar. That's, you know, right. there are six or seven USL teams that would have been able to beat Cincinnati in Cincinnati this year. Um, so, you know, other than that one game and maybe the Cincinnati or the Seattle game where they were shorthanded, they were um, cross country on short rest, that kind of thing. Um, how many times were they able to balance both a good defensive performance with a high number of goal scoring chances? Um, the number isn't high. It's, it's not a good number. Um, you'd want, you would want your number in that category to be higher for a team that's successful. Um, it's, it's a situation where they didn't feel like a 50 point team. They felt like a 45 point team and that's a 45 point team this year misses the playoffs. Um, even in a bad East there were, yeah. And there were times where I found myself like bringing that up, like, you know, this team is actually doing all right in the standings, but it, I could understand why people weren't picking up on that because it didn't feel like it. Um, it didn't feel like a team that was destined for more. Um, and again, if you look at the talent that's available, that's not an acceptable outcome. Um, well, especially if they if they had uh, if they had performed in March the way they performed the rest of the year, we keep looking back on their March as this. Uh, oh, this is how they like for a long time of the year. We you were like, oh, the, the way they played in March, maybe they can play this way the entire year. But if they had played 
in March, the way they played the entire year, they would have been a 45 point team. They might've been a 40 point team. And so maybe that was the, maybe that was the outlier. It's clear that March was the outlier. Like in, which is, I mean, March was a great continuation of, of, 2018 and that's why we all thought that that's where this team ought to be we have we proof of concept last year we have proof of concept from the beginning of this year and then the whatever lightning we had in the bottle was was gone at that point uh when mora got hurt when when rooney moved on when acosta central midfield never figured it out like yeah in the central midfield like there were so many places where the team was less than it was last year and it i guess last year really was lightning in a bottle and then the beginning of this year, you know, they destroyed Atlanta when Atlanta was still figuring out Frank DePore's system. We didn't know that Atlanta was going to go through that uh, when when we played them. Uh, RSL was up and down a lot this year. They are currently or were on an upstring swing. Um, so it's just, I guess they still are. They're still alive, aren't they? Um, yep. Yep. But they played the boring playoff game. Yeah. Um, the exciting thing in their game was that um, whether the referee would bring out the orange ball, which he didn't like a jerk. Um, but yeah, that was the only, the, all the, all the other playoff games were completely ridiculous in one way or another. And that was just the kind of, you know, I guess Steve Clark did well uh, until he didn't hit one crazy play. He had several I mean, crazy plays. He yeah. was out of his goal for the entire game. Somehow um, he was playing like he was a sweeper rather than a keeper. Um, when you have the chance to bring out the orange ball, you always bring out the orange ball. Yeah, yeah do it. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. There's, there's RSL is still in the playoffs. It doesn't feel like they should be, but they are. Yeah. So I think it was, it was the expectation coming into this season after last year, and you, you heard it even when United lost last year, which in the same round of the playoffs, going past regulation and and losing um and last year was at home uh on penalty kicks and it's like you know it it sucks it's gutting but we know we're going to be back next year and it's going to be a lot of fun and then to to start the season the way they did before falling apart and just continuing to get worse um it it's it's just a disappointment and it's a missed opportunity. And it's that, I think that is coloring a lot of my perception of this year. On the well, whole. And, and that's the thing that DC United doesn't do is that uh, when they have a good stretch of play, be it uh, the Patrick Mullins uh, God mode season, whether it be the end of the Lutheru uh, end of the season, whether it be 2012, they are bad at following that up with a next year of solid good play. It's only happened uh, once or twice in the Ben Olsen uh, uh, tenure, and it's been this up and down the entire time. And so just finding that consistent level of play has been uh, just as difficult. Yeah, I mean, the seasons you mentioned um, all come with a side of standing pat when they shouldn't have. Near yeah. 2012, the team yep. actually had outgoing players. They should have realized they needed to make some moves, and instead they were like, this will be fine, and it wasn't. Um, 2016, um, the idea was that uh, surely what the, the 
the collective group all overachieving at the same time, well, surely that would continue into next year, but it didn't. Um, last season, the team uh, needed a few, I, I would say in the, the off season heading into this year, they needed a little more than they got. They still, I will say they did have some impressive acquisitions. I mean, Leo Hara was starting for Boca juniors. Um, Rodriguez was more highly touted uh, in South America than uh, Lucho was uh, at the time of his transfer. Um, you know, they they made some good moves, um, but at the same time... Uh, no I, forwards. I, right, no forwards. And also uh, all of the replacements for um, uh, Joseph Mora, all of his backups were not left backs. It was all a bunch of guys that could play left back, but aren't actually left back. So you had Chris McCann was, and you had Paul yeah, Ariola. I had like uh, until I was uh, putting together uh, some of I our. I forgot about our, Chris McCann. No, that's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like uh, uh, until I was putting together our prep for this off season, I was like, "Oh wait, Chris McCann started games for this team this year." Yeah. Um. So there were some specific roster building uh, misses. Like, I, if you if you could just take all the qualities of all the players on the team and put them in a big pile of talent, the pile would be very big. Um. But you get into the specifics of, Oh, we're going to need another forward. Um, and not just a good defensive forward. We need a forward who can be a goal threat. Um, Quincy Ameriqua did a lot of things right this season, but he wasn't really that threatening going forward. Um, I, I read, um, I think it was Pablo Maurer's article about the union. He went to the Philadelphia playoff game, uh, on Sunday And one of the things he mentioned was the fact that the union had so many good players to come in off the bench. And then as examples, he cited not just Marco Fabian, um, who is in that strange situation where he's a a seven figure player coming in as a substitute, which is like a classic weird MLS thing to have happen. But he also mentioned they brought in uh, Fafa Pico, who ended up scoring um, the winner uh, or no Fabian had the winner. Pico had the equalizer. Um, which is a guy who has, you know, nine or 10 U.S. caps, um, is not, he's one of the fastest players in the league, but is also a really high level uh, pressure forward um, in terms of winning the ball and forcing turnovers, forcing bad passes, all that stuff. Um, he changes games. Uh, Marco Fabian changes games. Um, DC, oftentimes it felt like, you know, we had several discussions throughout the year about, Olsen doesn't make enough subs. And at the same time, the, the retort would always be like, well, yeah, but what was he going to do that would actually have changed the game in, in United's favor? Cause you look down the bench and it's like yeah, a bunch of, you know, guys that are kind of the same. Um, they're just a little less good at doing what the starters were doing, which is why Olsen chose the starter over the guy on the bench. Right. Just we had a lot of like legs. for like type. Yeah. You're doing fresh legs. You're not actually changing the game. The profiles of the players are all kind of pretty similar. Um, but then at the end of the year, you know, in the playoffs, we actually, thanks to some bad form from players and actually acquiring Ola Kamara, you actually had some different looks you could throw out there with Lucho coming on, with Boateng coming on, with Ola Kamara coming on. Not that it ultimately helped DC United in this game, but eventually they got there just not early enough and not in a way that they could figure out how to get a coherent attack going while also stopping the other team from scoring. Anything else you guys want to want to get into? Any 
any therapy you guys want to to throw out? God no. Um, I kind of want Toronto to go ahead and win the whole thing now. Um, in part, I mean, one, we have a good relationship with the folks from Vocal Minority. Um, and two, uh, like I think they're the least irritating of the remaining teams in one way or another. Um, that's fair. And I, I, I still love me some Nick DeLeon. So, yeah. Um, and his goal was a stunner. Like uh, DC United was he got well robbed of a stunner, and then he immediately scored. And he's a like, I, "I'm right. scoring." Like I, 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 when I was tw- typing from the site account, I was trying to describe the shot that became the corner kick, and before I could finish saying what I was saying, he then just scored with a slightly better shot, and it was like, "This is that kind of game. Is it's one of yeah. these?" Um, yeah. You know, if, if his, it was the kind of game where by the end of it, like if his shot had hit the bar, it would have hit Hamid in the back of the head while Hamid was in midair and gone in anyway. Um, right. Once that third goal went in, it was, it was one of like was Jonathan dumb. Osorio's shot went through like six people. It was a blind, hopeful shot that happened to find like the tiniest of windows to get in. Um, you know, once that third goal went in, it became, it's not your night DC United. Um, yeah. And we're probably lucky that TFC didn't score any more goals. Um, and then uh, on top of that, the very next day um, in the NWSL playoffs, uh, Rain FC scored a 93rd minute equalizer and then gave up three goals in extra time. Um, so I learned from this weekend that 93rd minute equalizers just don't do it. Score in the 92nd or the yeah, 94th. 94th uh, but don't score in the 93rd. Uh, it's clearly cursed. All right. 93 is now a forbidden number on this podcast, just so you guys know. Going forward, the number 93 is right out. You, you know now that DC is going to sign some guy that we don't even know about, and it's going to be a key piece of the offseason, and he's going to show up and be like, I wear nine, number 93. I and, absolutely understand that that is what's going to happen yes, now. And it's going to be it's going to cause us all uh, indigestion and nightmares. And on that note, thank you all for listening to this dumb podcast. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, like, subscribe, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, please tell a friend about the show. Uh, We are going to have episodes just about every week during the off season. Um, Got a lot to get through as far as roster reviews and uh, previews for next year. Once we know anything about next year. Um, So stay tuned for that. We will uh, talk to you again next week until then for Jason and Ben. I'm Adam. Say goodbye, Jason. I can't recommend watching hollow man. I'll be honest. (laughs) Too much blood. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights.
That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the Ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster <laughs> 